Well, hey everyone, and thanks so much for joining us at Frontline Community Online. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, love others, and help others love God. Now we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now during this podcast, you'll hear from our lead pastor, John Maroos, discussing some practical and in-depth teachings from the Bible and how to apply them to our everyday life. Now we hope that you're blessed and that your faith is inspired through this podcast today. And God bless you. What a, what a season. What a wild season. All right, let's go. You ready? Let's go. Here's what we're going to do. I want, you to, I want you to get your fingers ready. We're going to be using a lot of scripture. Is that okay if we let God speak today? That's all right. Amen. I got kids saying amen. That's what I like hearing. All right. You get excited. You just talk back to me a little bit in a good way. Not like teenage back talk, but say amen. Why don't you go to Ephesians 6? We'll start there. We'll go to 2 Corinthians 4, Ephesians 2 after that. We'll bounce to Colossians 4. You got this? Come on now. Let's get going. I got, I'm on a time limit. But no, let's go ahead and start in Ephesians 6. And I'll meet you there in a little bit. We're in a series uh, right now called Social, but really it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a reaction, a Holy Spirit reaction to what happened in the States and what's been happening in the world since, as we saw, the first family last week, since the first family. And we are bound as the church to deal with and speak into the decay in the world. We will never dodge that. We are, we are to be... Uh, the front line, if you will. I'm not taking the back seat in this. I'm going to do my best to pastor us through the social unrest and the, uh, the racial tension in the United States, but also in the world. And so we are in step two. I hate to say part two because I don't want this to feel like a series. This is a journey. This is a Holy Spirit move. I don't want us to recover from this in a great way. So I want to call this Next Steps. That's what we're calling today, Next Steps. Write this stuff down. I'm going to say a lot of stuff. You're going to have to get the recording or the video, and you're going to have to watch it because I'm going to speak quick, and we're going to cover a lot of grounds. Next Steps. And here's why I'm calling it Next Steps. Uh, I actually don't want to jump into the Next Steps yet, but I feel compelled uh, because we've sat with this for seven days, and our church has done a great job. I want to, I want to praise God for your hearts because uh, so many stories came out of people of different races and different backgrounds sitting down and just being human towards one another. I thank God for that. And for you who uh, may not be there, uh, many of you just leaned in. We got a new resource page. Many of you guys accessed that, and you're just beginning to take the journey. I've even talked to people who have said, Pastor John, loved the sermon last week. Don't agree with 90% of it, but I'm still listening. My ears are still listening. I said, well, praise God, you're 10% right. (laughs) No, I didn't say that. They come to the 11, so I can say that to you guys. But no matter where you're at, uh, I mean, I think that's a difficult thing, if I can just talk to you as a pastor. The difficulty of this is we are from so many different angles and so many different backgrounds. So I want to walk us into some pastoral steps concerning the murder of George Floyd. And my question to myself is, what is God trying to say to us? 
I know what the media is trying to say to us. I know what my black friends in California are saying to me. And I know what my white friends are saying to me right now. I know what my uncles are saying to me right now. I know what my mom is saying to me right now. Everybody knows what my mom is saying. She's on Facebook every two hours. Love you, mom. Can't touch me out here, mom. But the thing that I think is a part of our healing is learning another step. I think you can, learning people is a lifelong journey, amen? Amen. Learning races and cultures, it's a lifelong journey. And I think in a way I'm a little overwhelmed um, by pain in the world because I think once you learn or you begin to learn, you'll you'll never, and it's okay, um, you'll never delve to the depths and the bottom of someone else's pain. We're not supposed to. We can't get there until we fully experienced it ourselves. And some of us won't, we actually won't uh, fully experience each other's pain at its full level. We just won't. But we can try to feel as much as we can. But I think we have to be somewhat careful. While it's a lifelong journey to always be learning each other's stories, sometimes you can sit with it for so long it begins to almost hurt. And a part of the healing process, and I feel like we're a little premature on this step, a part of the healing process of any pain in the world or tension in the world is to actually say, okay, what can we do to now slowly step into something and begin to make some progress? So I'm going to attempt that today, and we're going to continue this for I don't know how long, but we're talking about next steps concerning the murder of George Floyd what is God saying to us? What is God, what is God saying to us? I call this series social because I, I've been thinking a lot about societies. Societies. I, I love America. My, my country is flawed, like every country. But I love my country. And a part of loving your country is being able to see the flaws and work together to fix the flaws so we can love our country even more. That's okay. But I've been thinking about society more and more, and uh, I I love the communal society of Germany. Don't you love that, you guys? I'm not just coming from America. I'm coming from the West Coast. I'm not just coming from the West Coast. I'm coming from the Bay Area. I'm not just coming from the Bay Area. I'm coming from San Francisco. You see what I did right there? It just got weirder and weirder. And one one of the things I love about Germany, and many of my neighbors are here right now, is the culture and the society. Now, some of our German friends who are here are like, you don't know enough, you're in a bubble. And I get it. But I love Steinwenden. I love my village. I love my village. Dondra's in my village. We got the best village. But I love the society that's made up there. I love the concept of a society. And you guys who are in the military may not know it, but you joined the military. I don't know why you joined the military. But I think most of you joined the military because you are trying to be the healing agent in the world of healing societies. Whether it's democracy or whatever, uh, you are on the mission to fix. And society is God's idea. And I love this. I love the idea of beautiful souls with dreams, beautiful people, young adults and 15-year-olds and single moms and people who are in their 60s and 70s who still have passions and ideas. I love the idea of all these people gathered together with stories. Don't you love that? Don't you love narratives and stories? Where have you been? Where are you trying to go? I want to learn these stories, and we're all moving together with these common ideals and this common love. That's a society. That's what God birthed in the book of Genesis, a society. 
You know, if I was to look at your family, Jennifer, I don't know. I'm just making this up, so don't feel uncomfortable. Too late for that. But if I was to say, okay, here's Jennifer Lasley. Okay, Jennifer's got a story. She's a human. She's a part of a society. Jennifer works for Frontline. Jennifer grew up somewhere. Jennifer had parents. She watched those parents Jennifer had victories, but she, has, she had pain in her home as well, and, and she had to battle through th- some things, and when she was 14, she had dreams, and, and now that she's a mom and she's a wife, she's got new dreams, and some of those dreams have faded, but she's got, she's got a destiny, and I could look over here and say, this is Dondria, and Dondria lives in the best village in Germany, Steinvent, and, and Dondria grew up in Philly, and Dondria's a black woman, and growing up as a black woman, and I won't tell you the era, but growing up in, in a, as a black woman, her father was a cop and and she had black friends but then she had that white friend and and she she had dreams and and they went behind the schoolhouse and dreamed and and she wrote things in a journal and and here she is a mother in Germany working at frontline and she's got a story and and these are beautiful human beings we we all have these amazing stories and then you look at this thing guys and I, I just wrote down what happens what happened to us You think about a single person in this room. A single person merits your wonder and awe. A single human being deserves your wonder and awe. They are made in the image of God. They've got stories and journeys and dreams and souls and destinies. Look, every single one of you is a complex combination of miracles. How you even got in your seat today thinking about where you were born, you are a complex series of absolute miracles. And we're made up together of these complex series of miracles in this thing we call a people or a society. But something has gone terribly wrong with God's design. And we're all looking at it right now thinking, what went wrong and how do we fix it? And I want to start by telling you guys, it's a slow, progressive thing. And I think it's so much slower than it needs to be. But the reason it's so slow to begin to find out how we fix it and weave our stories together and be a real society, I think it's complicated because there's so many layered lenses in all of us. Because Jennifer Lasley grew up in, where'd you grow up? Texas. Amen. We got a Texan in the house. Because she grew up in Texas and because she's a white woman and because she's a female and because she grew up with, I don't know, I'm making this stuff up, with a, in a single parent home or she grew up, she, she was raised by grandparents or she had a great family or, or she was military. She has layers. She has lenses. And by her age group, she, she has lenses. See, you Gen Ys back here. I don't know. what. Okay, I got someone doing this. That's not Gen Y. That's millennial or something like that right there. You're raising the roof. But that's okay. You guys got lenses that Dondria's age group does not have. And you're white or you're Filipino or you're black or whatever. Every one of us, by where we were raised and who raised us in military or secular or whatever it is, it's created all of these lenses. Some of you got added lenses like religion. Religion, Catholicism. Some of you are missionary kids. So you're like white, Irish, born in the Philippines for six years. I got some of you bouncing your heads up right now like this. And like you, your parents, because they love Jesus, they like adopted a black girl. And then you moved to Texas and then you guys went to Jersey. And you just got all these layers over your eyes just like I do. 
And so that's why it's so hard to look at the murder of George Floyd and actually go, here's the problem, here's how we go forward. <sighs> We've got a great, what's that podcast? Uh, or it's not a podcast, the video uh, discussion of the two ladies on our uh, body language. Go on our website and listen to that. Uh, that is a brilliant look, and I may be stealing some of that material on our website next Sunday. And that's why it's so hard to pastor us through this as well. Because everybody I talk to has a couple more lenses or a couple less lenses than me and the people who sit around them. See, who we are, where we're from, our life experiences, all of those things are the way in which we interpret other people's suffering. Now, if you go back and read the book of Job, and I may have stole this from that video. If you go back and look at the book of Job, you got a man who's suffering. You got a man who, who Satan came after. And you got a bunch of friends who come at him. And isn't it interesting, if you read Job correctly, I just got John finishing Job. They all give him different advice from different angles. But if you read Job correctly, they're all from different places, which, which means they all have different lenses on how they're interpreting suffering. And so here I am up here, people ask me, what do we do about this thing? And I'm like, well, everybody just take your lenses off. You can't. So that's why I said last week, the first thing we got to do is just slow down and feel. Well, this week, the question I'm, I'm answering is, what can I do to get us all moving in one direction, no matter your lens? Is there a starting point? We need a common ground if we're going to take more grounds. We need a common ground if we're going to make up some of this chaotic ground we lost in the States. So what are the common grounds that we can agree on so we can start moving forward? Well, I'm going to answer three quick questions real quick. Uh, you write these things down. Who is the real enemy in all this? Who is the real enemy in all this? Think about that right there. By our lenses, we may have different answers. By our lenses, we may have different answers. But I want to show you a common ground. Look at Ephesians 6 and look at verse 12. I had a Gen Y staff member who's changed the game at our church in the middle of a staff meeting say, let's not forget Ephesians 6, 12. She's sitting in this room. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We could, man, that, that could stop everything right now. So all the politics and all the news stories and all the rioting and the death of a black man, the death of American, the brokenness of that cop to be able to do what he did, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But, but it's easy to wrestle with flesh and blood right now. It's easy just to look at this as a political issue. And there's an element of that. But you need to understand that there's an enemy behind the scenes. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. So there are rulers behind all this. There are powers and influences through those powers that are causing the hate in the human hearts to kill people. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Think of the military now. These are ranks. These are highly organized ranks that we cannot see against the cosmic powers over this present age. 
This present darkness. So if you think about what happened with George Floyd, if you think about what's happened constantly in America, as well as great things that have happened in America, I'm very aware who I speak to today, but the present darkness, the takeover of my city, Batman's got Gotham, I got Seattle. That's my city. They, they've taken over my city. That, the present darkness is really being orchestrated by demonic powers. How often are you hearing that one? Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That means the skies. That means everything above ground. There's a highly organized rank of fallen angels that are really masterminding the chaos in our country. That's why you can't fix this with just politics. That's why this is a gospel issue. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. Can I get an amen? amen? You're not supposed to talk right now in church, guys. Just sat up right there, wasn't it? 2 Corinthians 4.4. Look at what he says. Now, I'm not trying to soften the blow, and I'm not trying to take anybody out of their responsibility because everybody will answer to God for the life they lived on this earth, especially those outside of Christ. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing there's a different way to live. There's a different way to love. From seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So the God of this world is Satan for now. And he has blinded the hearts and the minds of that police officer to murder another man. And the injustice that's taking place in our country. The God of this world has blinded the minds of people who are rioting and burning other citizens' property right now, probably because they are not necessarily fighting for racial equality, but are maddened in their minds. Not all of them, but I guarantee most of them. It kills me. I think of what's going on on Capitol Hill right now in Seattle. A takeover of an American city dubbed a neutral zone. The God of this world is behind all of this and he has pitted us against ourselves. I want you to think about the things that God gave people. Love, justice, safety, comfort. Those are all free gifts of God that every single person deserves by the grace of God, lost or saved, Christian or not. Those things are the common graces given to humanity. Satan is called the destroyer. That actually means the shatter. He has shattered those things. He has taken those things. And the way in which he takes those things is by disguising himself through all of these chaotic things we're seeing right now. The destroyer has stolen these things. He has divided us. He has distracted us. And let me declare this week, I am, I am angry because the narrative has now been hijacked. And it breaks my heart right now, you guys. I believe God revealed 
how he wanted to take our country to another level. I believe God reveals through the death of a son how many could be reconciled together. Right or wrong, whether that man was a saint or not, I believe God was going to use it to awaken eyes like he's done here and bring people together. I believe Satan went like this. I'm going to create racial divide in your country and break down the strongest country in the world. But when he started seeing us respond a different way, I think he went like this. No, that's not what was supposed to happen. That's not the plan. So I'm going to create these other straw men, and I'm going to get you looking over here so no one remembers George Floyd and the racial issue anymore. And now you guys are going to be fighting over statues, and you'll be fighting over politics, and be fighting over all these little issues. We're going to forget that the man had a funeral just a little while ago, and we had the opportunity, we had a small flame that it was there, it was there, we had it, which could awaken us to racial reconciliation. And now you got like France riding. Because like white cops are hurting white people. You got people throwing stuff in rivers in the UK now. The whole world's on fire. And, and I believe we've almost lost the issue. The destroyer. The shatter. He's going to keep us shattered and keep us divided. And I'm bringing us back to the issue. The issue is the gospel brings races together. And God revealed that we're not there yet in the States. But we can work together to get there. The real enemy is Satan. Question number two, what is my role? What is my role? If the real enemy is Satan, what is my role? Um, and here's the other thing that's happening right now. And I, I've been in California way too long. And so every time I see chaos in California, because that's we start it all. Think about Rodney King. Go back then. Some of you guys weren't even alive. That's amazing, huh? Think about Rodney King. You see another racial tragedy happen. The next thing we know, we've got all of these. What happened is you had a sliver of awakening during that moment. You had, some, not like now, something different is happening now. Something's, something's different. But you had people just walk into this thing and go, dang, maybe we got to address some things. Maybe we've got to relook at some things. Next thing you know, you had all this chaos erupt. And the people who were creeping in and saying, maybe I don't understand. Maybe I need to start fighting for my fellow man. Because of chaos and riots and looting, those people who let the wall down just for a minute and gave the world their ear and the black community their ear, through the straw man chaos, they all went like this. The wall's back up. I'm not touching it. I don't even know anymore what the problem is. I'm freaked out. I'm just hoping someone doesn't loot my house. And my concern is that's what's happening now. Um, I'm talking to people and they go like this, John, I don't even know what the problem is anymore. Like I'm trying to PCS back home and I'm freaked out now. So I don't even know how to touch this. I was, I was fired up. But I don't even know what to fight anymore. That's Satan's ploy. What is your role? Here's your role. If Satan, if you're a believer in Christ, if Satan has stolen unity, love, safety, justice, comfort, the things God gave to each human being, we are saved to give it back. There is no way outside of your identity in Christ to dodge that call. Now, some of you guys, are, come on, help me now. Help me preach this. And this is why I love all people, but this is why I'm so fired up about young people. You guys are cause-driven people. 
I love this about you wacky Gen Yers. Love this stuff. This is our role in Christ. Uh, look at Ephesians 2.10. And this is why we always talk about identity in Christ. You live out from your identity. You do from who you are. And if you know who you are now that you're saved, you'll do what you're supposed to do. But I don't think we've quite grasped who we are in Christ still. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are, there's your identity, we are. We are Christ's people now. We are the church now. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's your salvation. He just says, you're saved now. You're a Jesus follower now. The name of Christ is upon you. What do I do now? Out from that identity, we are saved for good works. For which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That always means in the Bible, live a lifestyle. That we should live a lifestyle of doing good. It is just who we are now. And that's why I fight and fight and fight. And Frontline does a great job of this. I'm not yelling at you. If I'm raising my voice. I'm yelling at the world right now. This is why I'm always saying Christianity has to stop being an event on Sunday and it has to become an identity of bringing God's way into the world. It's a flow. It's a flow. It's a flow. And you people going to college, and you people who are new to the military, you got to see yourself as a Christian. Vocation isn't vocation. Uh, I do this thing, and then I go to church. No, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm a redeemer, a reconciler. Therefore, my job is just an avenue to do the good works of heaven on this earth. cannot wait to pack this building out again that's our role in Christ now if that's intimidating walk with us we're going to walk you into it but start seeing yourself as saved to be a world changer I got a mini clap back there the kids love me little girl's like yeah who is the real enemy Satan I'm not even to my sermon yet what is my role we give back what Satan has stolen. Unity, love, justice, peace, reconciliation, safety. That is the church three. Well, where do we begin? Because if I cut you all loose right here, that's rather intimidating. You know, it's weird too because we're in Germany. And we're in such a peaceful place down here. It's like, what do we do? And so we're all kind of like tense. Well, one, flow with God in his will. Where does he have you? Just breathe for a minute. You're in Germany. You're not just in Germany. You're in southern Germany. We're in farmlands and beauty. But where do we begin? Here's where we begin. If we are going to fulfill our destiny as the people of God and do good in this world, God always uses two things to change humanity. Always. Law and the gospel. That's where you start. Law and the gospel. I'm going to break these down quickly. The law deals with the outside. The gospel deals with the inside, capturing the whole human. That is the only way we change this world. Now, this is not some utopian dream of mine. My book says things will wax worse and worse. But it says fight anyway. Show them what heaven's supposed to look like. Show them what the kingdom to come is supposed to look like. Show them this little kingdom right here called the church. 
Who is that? Amen? Thank you. Thank you. It's a little Texas blood flowing right there. All right. She's showing, she's showing some of you up. I'm just starting a little trouble in here. So let's deal with the two. What do we do with law and what do we do with gospel? Because every one of us can do this. I believe every one of us are empowered to do this at some level. And I'll make it easier because you're like, dude, if you're talking about legislation, I'm out right now. Go to point two. Just go right to gospel. But I'm going to break this down and show you the beauty of this. And the, what's the word? The availability of this, it's not easy because it takes getting by your fear but all of us can do this. Number one, the law. What do I mean by the law? We've, we work through law. God works through law. I could show you countless scriptures of how God works through law. I hope on a national, first of all, a national level. I hope laws are created with wisdom and not knee-jerk overcompensation in the United States of America. Every time something like this happens, we overcompensate and we create laws that in five years we go, what in the world did we just do? So I hope there are wise laws created on a national level. But I want you to understand something. Laws are good. We, we, we don't like laws. Human beings don't like laws. We like freedom. But laws help us. They're like uh, guardrails on a road because we drive too fast. It's to slow us down and get us to see. But on a national level, all of us, especially in a democracy, have a duty if we want to change things to use our vote and our voices. Laws are given by God to put people in fear on the outside. They don't play. They say, you break this, we rock you. Praise God for law. Many of you are in law enforcement. That means you don't play for a living. That means you enforce the guardrails. That is of God. If you look at Romans, I'm not going to go there, but you look at the book, book of Romans, it goes like this. Those who are put in place to enforce laws are there to fear. So you can help on a national level to inject new laws to help people fear stepping out of the boundaries next time. That is a long, stinking journey. It's taken a, it took a long time for Abraham Lincoln to knock a corner off of this thing. A corner. But it is a thing. And if you've got influence in that realm, then move the kingdom of God into the national laws in our country. Amen? Amen. But I'm not so interested in that. Because I've got biblical ideas. And the Bible says things are going to wax worse and worse. See my old King James there? That's when you know you're not playing. They're going to get worse and worse on a national level. It doesn't mean there's no hope. It means there's a different level. It's a more tangible level that all of us begin to, can begin to make changes in. And that's a corporate level. What do I mean by that? Check it out, guys. This is where you live, right here. God has given all of us spheres of authority, realms of authority. Every single one of you, you may not think, you're like, dude, I'm the low man on the totem pole. I'm the low woman on a totem pole. I'm 16. On the contrary, God has given every single human being a sphere of influence somewhere. All studies show, all sociology studies show that every one of you has eight to 12 people that you have some type of influence over. 
So if we can't change things on a national level, here's what God does. God goes like this. I have given you my authority in a sphere so you can work out my authority and influence those people. And if we've got a church, I don't know how big Frontline is anymore. It was 1,200. We could have like 200. It's all good. I don't know. We could have 2,000. I don't know. I don't even know Frontline right now. It's amazing. But I know it's heartbeat, and I know it's DNA. And if we all dispersed, and we, this is how God changes the world right here. This is, this is the kingdom come. This is the kingdom of God breaking into the world. It works like this. Yeah, go for the national level thing. But it goes like this. We all break from Sunday. We know our identities. You go and you're over this squad. You know, you go over and you work at this daycare. You go here and you work in this church. You go here and you've got this park day with these moms. I don't know what else. Soccer games. And, and you got all these different volunteer things. Here's, here's how God typically changes humanity. He goes, those things are not just things. Stop seeing those things as things. You're not just the chess club. That's a sphere of influence so the kingdom can break through. And because you have influence, I'm trying to speak through you to them in a manageable group to change some lives because they trust you. That's how God changes things. And it's really God's authority that you're stewarding. And I remember in college, I was a supervisor at UPS. That was like one of my favorite jobs right there. Because when those belts hit in Jacksonville, Florida, it was like combat. I mean, it was wild stuff. And I remember I, I, I hated that job after a while <laughs> because it was in Florida and it's hot. But I remember just like thinking, I got to go to work. 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 But then I realized, no, this is a sphere of influence that God has given you. And uh, when I saw that I was put there to move God's authority into the lives of these people, I had his authority over these people. They listened to me. I built trust with these people. I was able to start winning them to Jesus Christ and watch their lives, beliefs, and lenses change forever. Every one of us have those spheres. Look at Colossians 4.1. This is a radical verse. Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. You guys good? Yeah. All right, let's go. Look at this stuff. So slavery was massive. Most of the Roman world in the first century, most of its economy was driven from slavery. Slight problem. And Paul goes like this. Masters. So this dude gets saved, and he owns humans. Like, that is, that is bizarre. This guy owns human beings, and he got saved. He becomes a follower of Jesus, and he's like, I've been treating them bad. I've been treating them subhuman. And Paul goes like this. Open your minds. Treat your bondservants justly, equality, equity, they may not be treated with equality out there, but when they clock in, when they show up, it is a small piece of the kingdom of God when they walk in these doors. You treat those people justly and fairly. They may not find it anywhere in that world, but you have a sphere of authority from God to change the game. And when they walk in your doors, the game should be different. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You know what that means right there? He says, one, you better humble your butt. That's what it says in the Greek, humble your butt. Some kid's going to go home and be like, you better humble your butt. 
Pastor John said it three times. But what he means by you have a master in heaven is that's not really your authority. You think you own those people. You think you own a shop. That's not really your authority. It's the authority of your master in heaven. You're here to steward his authority by changing the environment and showing what the kingdom of God should look like, which is called justice and equality. That's a mission. You say, but I got people over me and I'm in the military. Well, I hope more conversations are started this week. How do we do it? How do we work together? How do we pray for those breakthroughs? How can we influence our, our areas, our departments? I hope more, I hope men start gathering. It's like all, all the women gathered last week. I hope men gather as leaders of our world and say, how do we then change the dynamic of a sphere of authority that we're in? I didn't mean that to be sexist. Slightly weird time. We can change the culture of our spheres of influence because we've been allowed to make the rules in those areas. Twitter just started their own national holiday, global holiday, the 19th, where they're shutting everything down to recognize what has happened in America with the abolition of the slave trade because they have the power to do that. If stinking Twitter can do that, I wonder can Christians, I wonder can churches recognize strategically through meetings and talk that here we have equality and we're going to recognize that we're going to fight for it because John Maurice has that authority from God to create that. You see, the Holy Spirit just needs a few things. He needs awareness and then he can convict. So you may have someone who's under you who doesn't get this. They don't believe in it. Maybe they have racial tendencies, uh, racist tendencies, something like that. All the Holy Spirit needs is a little awareness in that person's mind so he can start convicting. And that's going to come through your authority in that sphere. I can't control the nation, but I can create the shalom of God in my sphere of influence, the peace of God, the righteousness of God. I can work on creating a sphere through my influence of belonging, an authentic community in which one person can be their true self and feel loved and accepted for who they are. I can do that. Through the law, I say we start some conversations on how we do that as a church in our communities, the law. But that's only half the battle, the gospel. And this is really where my heart is. You guys okay? I have no idea what time it is. I gotta, we got another service, so let's, let's just keep going. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Man, we're hearing such little about the gospel right now. Paul says in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power to save. It's the power. Everyone's looking for a power right now to change things. Yeah, the law will deal with the outside. Laws are designed to put people in fear on the outside, but that only cages sin. The gospel works on the inside, changing the feelings and worldviews forever. Jeremiah 13, 23. Throw this up, Chad, if you would, please, brother. Yeah, isn't this a great text? Look at this. Check it out. Can an Ethiopian change, change his skin? Or the leopard is spots. 
No, rhetorical question. No. No, you're not going to get a big cat. That's just like, these spots aren't good. Hunters can see me. I'm getting rid of the spots. And this is what we call total depravity. Someone who does not have the spirit of Christ cannot just break the chains of some deep sin. They can't. That's, that's called moralism. They can cage it. They can fight it. They can improve as an image bearer of God. But true radical transformation only comes when the spirit invades a soul. Dondria's with me this morning. Then also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. If you're accustomed to do evil, you take someone who has racial tendencies, you're not going to get them to change their ways until something works on the inside. You can slow them down through law. You can cause them to feel ashamed or scared to say anything or act. But we want transformation. We want lions to become lambs. We're going to have a small group, you and I. All right, let's go. 2 Corinthians 5. I'm not done. I got more. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Check it out. Josh, just take this sermon and just go back to Tennessee and just holler. Just go crazy. And then in two weeks, we'll hire you back when they kick you out. It's all good, though. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, you know. 2 Corinthians 5. Look at verse 17. I love this right here. The gospel. The power is in the gospel. The power is in the Holy Spirit. That, you know why we struggle with this? Because it's easier to yell and fight or say nothing than tell people about Jesus. I'm going to testify that right now. All right? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if we could get these people saved, he is a new creation. That's what we need. I can cage you through laws. I can change documents in my workplace. I can change rules in my sphere of influence. But the gospel can make you a new creation on the inside. The old has passed away. When you looked at a skin color and you were so afraid that you lost power in the world that you found someone who you thought was lesser than you to be over, that can pass away through the invading of the Holy Spirit. The new has come. All this is from God, verse 18. All this is from God. I can't do this any other way to a human being who through Christ reconciled, brought brought us together, reconciled us to himself. Now watch it. I got peace with God. Now, yes. And then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now you go bring people together. You go bring people together. You go bring people together through the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Go tell them about Jesus. Now we're sitting in a meeting and some of our staff, remember this, Alex, we were talking about this, and we're all like, uh, that's, that's easier said than done because a lot of us are, we're not comfortable even unpacking how to be saved. And then we're all like, oh man, now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's okay, I got an idea. Now I'm going to challenge you because I haven't challenged you up to this point. The only way we are going to change a heart that is enslaved to sin when it comes to race is by going to those people filled with the hate and having trust-building conversations. That is not easy. 
But I need you to remember. The reason a person doesn't have peace towards others is because they do not have peace with themselves or God. I know this is going to be a hard thing to hear. But I wonder if you could even see someone who struggles with racist tendencies as someone who's really enslaved to Satan and sin. I wonder who they would be if they were free through the gospel. You see, people see a completely different way than God. People see a tragedy and find a villain. Jesus sees a story half told and the best yet to come. And that is hard. Because I just need a villain. (laughs) Amen? But how? Like some of you are thinking of like Uncle So-and-so right now. Or how? Why is it always an uncle? (laughs) How do we do this? Well, if you're not comfortable just seeing, hey, Uncle Joe, I don't know. Can we sit down and talk about Jesus? If you're like, dude, I'm so far away from that, then, then listen to me. I want you to get them to the church. I want you to get them to the church to see a community where the walls are broken down. And the walls are breaking down. And I believe that's been the whole design for 2,000 years anyway. I believe we're supposed to bring them to a place that makes no sense. I got people from my neighborhood who were not Christians 18 months ago when we got here and they walked into this place because they saw in individuals who go to Frontline, who live in my neighborhood, they saw something different and they were invited to a place because they were told this is a community that's different and they walked in and they go, this doesn't make any sense to me. Look at all these colors. Look at all these ages. Look at all these children. Teenagers don't like church. Why are they coming here? I believe that is the greatest strategy God has ever created is to tell a nation to look into a nation. First Peter says we are a nation within a nation. We are a nation with the Holy Spirit and radical diversity. Go tell the nation to look at our nation. And all of us can say, dude, I know it's weird. And I know this is an email. And I know you live in the States and I don't. But just, just check the live stream out. Just check it out. I got a staff member. I'm, I'm going to choked up right here. She sends people this link every week. <laughs> every week. Every week. I mean, I want, they're, they're probably not even friends anymore. This person's probably like, ah. Every week. You say, that, is, that, is that doing anything? Is that really going to do anything? Yeah, because I got a family who goes to our church, a very huge part of our church. And they told me a few weeks ago, our workplace, our employees are visibly different. And we cannot explain it other than we just told them, watch the live stream. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out through a mode like our live stream. And we can all just be like, dude, just, just check it out. Just check it out. I got a cop in our church, young cop, a Gen Y cop who's white, 
Talk about layers. A Gen Y cop who's white. He went on a call, suicide call. And when he showed up to that call, the girl was not there who was attempting suicide. And he's a believer, a strong believer, a wonderful young man. And he could not find her, but he had her name. So like all good cops, he hunted her down. He contacted her. And she couldn't make heads or tails of it. Why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you coming after me? He said, because I want you to know the Lord. And he said, would you just come to my church? I don't know if he knows how to tell someone how to be born again. But he said, can you just come to my church? I met that girl right before the shutdown at a five o'clock service. Her face was glowing like an angel. She said, I feel peace for the first time in my life. Something happened on the inside. Something happened on the inside. You know, one of the things that's going crazy right now, our movie trailers, we're, we're tired of being inside and we're watching all these movie trailers and we're, we're excited about all these movies and people are talking. Even today I heard people talking and all this stuff. And you know what a movie trailer is? It's a two-minute clip about the real show. And when you leave this place, you are God's movie trailer when you love them and when you go to them and and when you say I just want you to know I want you just to hear what I'm experiencing over at this weird warehouse and they say why would you tell me this why would you why are you why are you interested in me you say come and see the full thing come and see what a community really looks like come and see what you can be a part of and what you can have my friends, I've given you a lot today. One, I just trust you. But I wonder if you would just take a small step. If it's in your sphere of influence, if it's, if it's meeting with guys and, and ladies in our church to brainstorm and get on our knees and pray, God, how do I do this? How do I influence? Or it's even just inviting that person who you know is struggling to this church or a live stream. Take the next step. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Amen? Let's pray. And just spend some time with the Lord. For some of you, it's a prayer for courage to reach out to that person or to call a meeting at work or talk to a CEO or just start a conversation of what are we doing in our sphere of influence? Maybe God is calling some of you to reach out to people at Frontline and say, hey, we're not slowing this down. We did the Ezekiel challenge. Now we need to meet and talk and strategize How do we influence in our spheres?
let's keep this momentum going. Maybe for some of you, you know, someone's, someone has, God has put someone on your heart already who just needs the gospel. Maybe you would just get them a live stream link or you just tell them, hey, it's weird. You got to save a seat on the website. I'll do it for you, but I, I just want you to meet me there. I just want you to come. But pray for boldness. so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us online, please head over to our website, frontlinecommunity.org, and under the contact us portion, say hi. We'd love to meet you. If you would like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash about forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope you are blessed today and we'll see you next week.